0: Before we get started on this episode, we had such a good time recording this with Christine and Kim, and we have a tremendous amount of content, so we decided to split the episode into two. So what you'll hear from me is just a bit of flyover to give you context as we split this episode into two for your listening enjoyment. Hey, welcome to the Life Group Leader podcast. We're excited today. We're going to have a really good conversation. We're going to talk about racial and cultural awareness and life groups, specifically how you as leaders can step into these conversations. And so on today's podcast, we have special guests. We have Kimberly Cockrell, and uh, Kim, you just want to introduce yourself really quickly?
1: Sure. Hi, uh, Kim Cockrell, I've uh, been here at Fellowship since uh, 2017, and I'm the vice president of Uh, operations at Toyota Financial Services. I have a background in human resources actually and psychology and counseling and at Toyota I'm really active in our uh, diversity equity and inclusion efforts. I've hosted some panels and um, uh, have an actual diversity inclusion scorecard um, to raise awareness and Uh, inclusion among my teams and across all of Toyota. So I'm very excited to be here and and talk about this really important um, topic.
0: Awesome to have you here, Kim. And our next guest is Christine Lawrence. She is a life group leader here at Fellowship. Christine, you want to introduce yourself a little bit?
2: Hello, my name is Christine Lawrence. I am a fourth year biblical counseling student at Dallas Theological Seminary, where I have also um, been on the board of the Black Student Fellowship there and led some initiatives to spread diversity and uncomfortable conversations with the DTS student body. Um, I have been a co-leader of a young women's life group at fellowship, and I'm currently a co-leader of a young married couples life group. And I'm also in an interracial relationship. Uh, my husband is white and I'm African-American.
0: Awesome. Thank you for joining us, Christine. Cool. And Ryan Lawrence, our Life Group's intern. You guys all know Ryan. He doesn't need to introduce himself. He's, he's a DTS student. The most important thing you need to know is Christine married him. And so he's pretty awesome because of that, right? Now, do you want to say, say hi, Ryan? Hey, everyone. It's good to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So hey, today we're gonna talk about racial and cultural awareness, how we can incorporate cultural engagement in our conversations as life group leaders. Stepping into this is so important, guys. We're so excited that we have experts on the panel right now just to kind of talk through that, how you can look at different curriculum, how you can have these conversations, how you can spark these and even get involved in helping out and help further the conversation. So I wanna open it up and we're just gonna have an awesome conversation. Uh, Let's ask the question, So Kim and Christine, I want to open up the questions with this. What's been your experience with cultural and racial discussions in the context of your life group and the church in
1: general? This is Kim for, you know, our life group. We were small. So it's uh, six of us females, uh, different age groups, different backgrounds. I'm the only African-American in the group and the good thing about having a really small group is we've been able to build a trusting relationship really quickly. Um, but this topic is one that, um, makes, makes the group uncomfortable. Um, beyond that though, we've been able to have very serious discussions about, um, what's happening in the culture today, right? What we're seeing, uh, sharing my life experience uh, with, the, with the members of our group, talking about the shift and change that we're seeing in the church, what we want from the church.
0: Christine, you want to say anything about that?
2: Yeah, um, for me and in, in my um, old life group, talking about race and ethnicity had been kind of taboo. And then when we had the you know George Floyd murder and race riots, um, some of the members of my group came to me and wanted to kind of open up some discussion and um, they met with me one-on-one and just asked a lot of questions. And I just kind of noticed from that, there was just a lot of confusion as to how to not be offensive, how to, um, just how to, like st- where do I start? And so I was able to give some direction. However, I, I do feel like, you know, more people have those questions. And so I kind of saw that as maybe some people are starting there, obviously not everyone's starting there, but that may be something where we can, you know, start addressing in our life groups.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's really good. Cool perspective from you guys. And I'm glad those conversations are happening. What, what makes those conversations so difficult to even step into? What, where's the awkwardness come from?
2: Um, this is Christine. I think um, part of it is maybe just an awareness of, from a white person's perspective, um, what is my privilege and what have I been socialized to think and believe and behave, et cetera. Um, Just coming to that awareness can be quite shocking for people. Um, And then they maybe feel shame or guilt. Um, And so it's kind of like, well, I feel maybe embarrassed. I feel like I have to make up for something. And so there's that hesitancy and it might be just easier to ignore it altogether or um just try an easier route than actually um you know facing what may be there or what may be a part of their past history with their family or um whatever it may be.
0: What about what about you, Kim? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I agree with what Christine said. I think
1: we also just as a society um make these types of discussions impolite or taboo, Uh, so especially for white people, engaging in a conversation about race um, hasn't really been something that is widely accepted, honestly, in in our culture and encouraged. Um, And to Christine's point, when you don't do it frequently, then there's uh, anxiety about how to engage in a discussion, right, it's like muscle memory. So if you've never stretched a muscle to talk about something that's um, potentially uncomfortable or that you may have some questions about or shame about and you don't really understand, it's hard to take that first step if you've never done it before. And most things escalate quickly when we are talking about race because everyone kind of holds to their position of their perspective, as opposed to walking into a conversation with open ears to hear more than to, to discuss or to talk. Right. And, and we just don't have well-practiced, well-skilled um, muscle to do that.
0: What does it look like to stretch that muscle then? How do, you, how do you kind of get into the, the rhythm or the, you know, the workout where you stretch that muscle on a consistent basis? Um, yeah. How do you kind of step into those, those things? Does that make sense? I'm sorry. I'm really- <laughs> it does. No, it, it makes really yeah.
1: good sense. One of the things we talk about at work a lot with our leaders uh, is being intentional, right? So biologically, anthropologically, we group, right? You heard, you have groups, you have tribes, and they're usually homogeneous and similar. So it's natural to feel more comfortable with people that are like you. So you have to be intentional to engage in discussion and conversation. So I think that's first off, right? Setting the intention to step into something that's uncomfortable, to have a conversation about cultural awareness or race where you don't know anything, being vulnerable enough to do that, but start easy, right? Don't jump into something (laughs) that you know is gonna be a lightning rod issue and cause people concern. Most folks like to talk about themselves and talk about their experience. So you can just start there. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your background. Um, You know, what was your life experience? And then if you have a question say, I want to learn more. I want to understand more. What is your perspective? And then don't say anything, actually listen <laughs> to the answer. <laughs> so I think that's an easy way to start especially in a life group, right? You're, you're doing life together with people. So um, this should be a group that you're allowed to have um, that to make mistakes and blunders and ask the silly questions And if not, it's an opportunity to talk about that, right? How do we create a space where we feel comfortable enough to try with one another?
2: Yeah, I I agree with um, all of what Kim said. And I think um, just as far as perspective, keeping in mind that number one, you know, someone else being Black or of a different ethnicity is not. A surprise to them and so for someone bringing it up it's not like oh i didn't know that i was black you know and so just kind of taking down that you know maybe fear of if i mention that you are black that might offend you and then also making the assumption that maybe their experience is different in a certain area than mine is and maybe i can engage in that and learn from that um and even like acknowledging maybe something that i like to do whether it's a social activity or a way that i engage with my family maybe a cultural difference and so maybe we can start talking about those things maybe i like to do these things for fun but maybe you like to do different things and they could be purely based on culture and that can be a way to kind of enter into those conversations in a safe way and then build on to maybe those more hot topic issues i also encourage people that i know just to say I notice this thing, whether it's politics or whatever, when you're ready for that in relationship, I care about this, you know, and I feel this way about it. I feel strongly about it. I'm angry because, you know, someone hurt someone who is like you. What do you think? you know, what's your perspective? And just kind of allying with them in that way and showing that, you know, I, I do care about you and I do care about things that hurt you.
0: It's really good. Like, as we, as we talk about what being a leader in a group is, I mean, it's the the leader is the one that's supposed to initiate these things. Is supposed to step into the awkwardness in a pastoral way, right? We, we want to care for our groups and we want to care for the people in our groups. We don't want to shape everybody into some specific person or ideal group member. We want to meet people where they're at, just like Jesus met people where they're at all races, ethnicities, and in a real powerful way. And so as we lead our groups, stepping into those conversations, being brave, but doing it in a way where you're, wanting to love that person well, respect them well, and pastor them well, because some of these topics may be, you know, wounds and hot buttons and things like that. And just being aware that caring for them and be able to receive them for who they are and where they're at is, is really powerful. Ryan, I'm going to ask you, what are some of the things that have surprised you about stepping into a different culture?
3: I think for me, Growing up as a white Protestant male in Mississippi for most of my life, there wasn't a lot of engagement in the racial discussion. It was always a bit awkward until I decided um, when I was in college to attend a couple of classes in my history major on African-American history and culture. And so for me, that was a chance to, and I had no idea what I was in for at the time, But it was an incredible opportunity for me to enter into a space where I engaged with the lengthy history of wrongs, of um, just terrible injustices enacted upon the Black community, and for me to not only listen um, to other students, but also listen to voices in history and by entering into a relationship with my now wife, that was a conversation that I got to have from the very beginning was um, on one of our early dates, just open the conversation of, I want us to be able to have the freedom to have these conversations. I want you to know that I want to listen. I want to understand better. Um, And so I didn't know how to do it well at the time, but over the course of our relationship, I've had the opportunity to learn better, to ask questions, and some of the questions were uncomfortable, but it wasn't so as not to offend Christine as much as it was to, you know, I want to engage in a deeper relationship with you. How can I do that well? Um, How can I understand better so that I can empathize with you, so that I can sit down with you uh, when you're grieving um, in times in which Um, There have been cultural situations to kind of get back to your original question, Josh, of, I guess, times uh, in my relationship with Christine, where I would um, want to do a particular activity or something. And um, Christine would be like, no, I don't really want to do that. It's just, I'm like, why, why not? And um, it's like, well, it's just, you know, I value my privacy or something. And so we'd kind of bump into you know some minor kind of cultural differences things that i wouldn't have to think about places that we would walk into in which we would get a lot of stares, and i it was something that i had never noticed before until you know we're walking into store holding hands and i'm like there's a lot of white people staring at us not just white people and so it's interesting there have been a lot of uh, surprising elements to um entering into this relationship that's now a lifelong relationship. But there had to start, it had to start with a lot of openness and willingness to, you know, I don't want to just not offend you. I want to do life with you. How can I do that well?
0: Thanks for sharing that, man. Um, As I I think about the interaction in in our life groups, and I think about some of the awkwardness that can entail some of the difficult conversations that can can just happen, who initiates those conversations? And have you guys seen a redemptive aspect of that as you've had those conversations with people in your group? Basically, if any of the conversations turned out well and people have learned or grown from it.
1: In our life group, yes. I think, again, because we're a small group and kind of bonded right at the beginning of the pandemic, actually. So we went through crisis together. Um, So I think that accelerated um, a deepening bond Um, conversations are initiated by all of us, right? So I may bring up something, uh, whether it was a um, diversity, equity, and inclusion panel that I hosted at work. And that was a great way to talk about, you know, what it means to be a bystander versus, you know, an observer and how do you, Uh, become an advocate or an ally, right? So that was a great way to enter into a conversation about what does it look like to be in a majority group as all the other women in my group are and be an ally to me or to others in our church or those that we are um, trying to disciple or want to disciple. And then on the flip side of that, we've had great conversation From some of the other members who haven't had the experience, right? Their social upbringing, their family upbringing was all white. Very little exposure to other cultures, unless it was in a we're coming to help, you know, the unfortunate those that are in need, or you know, we're doing missionary work or something like that. But not in the day-to-day context of yeah, my best friend is a black girl that lives down the street and I'm part of her family. So it's been really good to have those those discussions. And and one particular um, session that we had, we read the book, Just Mercy, a number of us in in the life group. And that really opened up an opportunity for um, similar to what Ryan said, where these are just things that that people in the group hadn't experienced before. They didn't know about that this was just... um, something that never really was a part of their knowledge base. And so it was eye-opening and led to conversations with us and with family members um, about what those experiences looked like for you know a black person in, in the South or um, you know some of the discussions even that we've people at the church have had. And having had ex- personal experiences with, with us has helped them have conversations with their family to just share a different perspective.
2: I can definitely say that I've um, seen some positive steps, even just from my last life group. I was able to learn one of the girls who had come and spoken to me, her dad's actually writing a book on race and um, racial reconciliation, which I thought was really fascinating, um But one thing I had tried to encourage in the group is just a diversity of curriculum as far as people that they're using, if they're of a similar demographic that doesn't give us as as much of a diverse experience as if you know we're having male, female you know from different areas of the country, different ethnic backgrounds, et cetera. Um, and so after I left, they actually started a, a study by Tony Evans, um, which was a definitely a shift from the studies they had done in the past. And so I was excited to hear about that.
0: In this next section, we decided to talk about what it was like just to have an open conversation about all these issues. We wanted to get to the practical part for leaders and help them understand how to engage in this conversation and what it means to cultivate a culture of inclusion and awareness within our life groups. I also asked them to share about their personal experiences. And here's what they said.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a point, Ryan, that you made about um, Christine when you went on your date and you declared that you wanted to deepen and having a a deeper relationship with her. And so because of that, you want to talk about this. It's important. And I think as life group leaders, we have a responsibility to do the same thing if we're pastoring our groups and we're caring for our groups, then we should care about the things that they care about. And even if you're in a homogeneous life group, because we're children of God and God cares about all of us, we need to engage in the conversation. And if you don't have someone that's diverse in your life group, find somebody <laughs> I'll volunteer, right? There, there are plenty of people that would be willing to engage in a discussion and a conversation uh, with you as a leader or with your group. Uh, We should be a safe place for one another. And I think that's a great place to start to declare that as disciples of Jesus and we are focused on discipling, it is a responsibility and an obligation to get comfortable with going to a foreign land, with going to an area that's different than your experience, right? We, we are hopefully growing to be more like Jesus. So really that's the place to start. Let's look at the Bible and see what Jesus did and how can we emulate that um, daily, weekly, um, but certainly in our life groups, we should be able to do that first step.
0: Yeah, Kim, I love what you're saying about because like a lot of our groups will naturally get together because of affinity, right? We'll naturally get together because of how we look alike, how you know the the jobs we have, the life stages we're in, all these kind of different things. And so you may have a homogenous group, you may have a group that you all look alike, but you as a leader have a responsibility to make space and place for diversity to happen there and even if diversity isn't happening within your group with or for your people, helping your people, their awareness open up, their cultural awareness and cultural intelligence to just turn some lights on. So Kim, what you're saying is awesome. We, we'd love to take you up on that. I might just have you visit in a bunch of different groups just to, just to go around and, and, and just chat this stuff through with them. That's awesome. Thanks so much for joining us for part one of our conversation on cultural awareness and life groups. Be sure to check out part two where the conversation continues.